Well, hello there, listeners. It's time for Bridging the Digital Divide. I'm Lisa Capala with my trusted host beside me, Brad McKenna from the library. Say hello to the folks. Hello, folks. Hello, Brad. So today we've got some kind of heavy topics. Uh, You know, we've stayed with some of the more lighter topics, but actually Robert Hayes of the Wilmington Apple fame, uh, (laughs) when net neutrality was recently repealed, I'm sure you all know about that, I actually asked some of my friends on Facebook to tell me what net neutrality was or what it means to them, and he actually suggested we do a show on that. So Brad and I jumped on that. And then we're also going to talk about the dark web Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and what does that mean? And, and also the different layers to the web. Mm-hmm. Now that you've been listening all this time, you've gotten a really good education about the Internet and how it began. But there are some hidden parts to the Internet and many layers and levels that Brad's going to talk to us about. So let's get started. Net neutrality, Brad. Yes. What was it or what is it? Uh, money, essentially, when it comes down to it. So uh, in t- 2015, the Obama administration cr- passed something called Title II. I don't know the, I don't know if it was a bill or whatever. I don't really get too much into the politics. I just like the technology part. And what that said is that ISPs, internet service providers, cannot charge different rates depending on what kinds of information someone wants to access or what sites someone wants to access. Okay, so that sounds like a really basic, very commonsensical, if you will, yeah. idea. Okay, the guys that are running the show can't tell me what I can and can't do. I like that. That sounds almost like freedom of speech, mm-hmm. like that concept. Okay, so I'm with you. Yeah. What happened next? So uh, the head of the FCC who used to work for Verizon, which is an ISP. Used to work for Verizon. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Um, repealed it. So the FCC voted three to two. Uh, which, interestingly enough, was divided along gender lines. So the three mm. guys voted to repeal and the two women didn't. Take that wow, for what you will. that's weird. Mm. Okay. Uh, and what that said was that this Title II uh, ban or declaration that you can't charge different is, you know, unreasonable and unfair. And All so right. they repealed it. So why would the head of the FCC, I think his name is Mr. Pay or... Pi or something, yeah. Uh, why do you think he would want that? And what do you think, this is just our opinions, of course, what do you think is yeah. the correlation? between him being a former Verizon employee, if any. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, you're never going to get solid proof, but anytime you get people that are in charge of regulation bodies that used to work for the corporations they regulate, it's it's a conflict of interest in my opinion. Yeah, I get that too, but he he does have the wisdom and knowledge from working in a different you know, in a part of the industry. Sure. So I guess that's okay. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand why we need, why we needed to repeal it. So what, what's the argument for why it needed to go? So the, the, I, I was able to find only one thing online for this repeal. And unfortunately, it was a fact sheet from the FCC. So I'll present what I found, but you have to take it with a grain of salt. And if anybody listening can find articles from independent journalists, please let us know because I yeah. want to see this. Because... I f- everything I found is like, this is horrible. But basically, it's about competition and small government. So they face, their claim is that startups will not be able to compete under the Title II regulations. So mm-hmm. you can't become a small business without a website anymore. or, or you, you just can't because people shop online and people are online. So in order to grow your business, you need to be where people are. Okay. So let me stop you right there for a second. So why then would repealing... A, a declaration, we're going to call it that, for lack of a better term. Why would repealing a declaration that allows for open competition mm-hmm. yeah. 
I don't understand. And that's the thing. So, like right here on my myth versus fact sheet from the FCC, the myth is startups will not be able to compete without Title II regulations, and that's the myth. So, okay. And what what they're saying is entrepreneurs starting new business online thrived long before Title II regulations, and they will continue to flourish. And and that's kind of all he says. (laughs) And so, like, like he says, does he have a magic wand? Uh, Right. I know. So, like, he's repeated in this fact sheet five different times on like maybe a dozen myths. He's repeated the phrase before the Obama administration's heavy-handed 2015 internet regulations. Hmm. So, like, it's he said very little, but. I, I can kind of see his point with the small businesses versus big uh, small government versus big government. I, I okay, get that. that you don't want you sure. don't want to get government regulating, so you don't want them telling businesses what they can or can't do. Okay, but by the virtue of not telling them, they're kind of making a decision. Right. So it, it's kind of like it's a it's an argument kind of defeats itself. Okay. Um. So. I, I can kind of see that. So, like, you could kind of box out, like, um, uh, Verizon or uh, Comcast or whomever you have could make could charge so little for certain sites that people would go there. So, if you're selling, uh, yeah, selling on, something, no. I know, and that's the, got to be counterproductive for a business. You would have to be a huge business already yeah. to be able to afford to do that. And that's the thing. So right? how does that help small business? I'm not I, getting I, it. I, I don't. If, if Mr. Pay is listening, hopefully he'll want to come on the show. Because and, and I'm not faulting it. Maybe yeah. it's a good thing. I just can't figure out why we needed to do it. Yeah. You know? So I guess the other thing there would be like if you go to Facebook and your email and CNN or something like that. The the thinking is that. Um, the ISPs can charge you less because you're just going to certain sites. So if you want more sites, you you pay more. And so okay. that's that's I can kind of see that because if you're just using the web for email and no videos, you're not using a lot of bandwidth. And so it would okay. be a good that's business decision. Interesting you say that because one of my friends who's uh, from the town and she helps run uh, one of the Wilmington Facebook pages, her name is Robin arsenault Domic. She says she likens the uh, net neutrality to how cable TV works. Mm. There's basic cable. You know, you get certain channels. But then if you want more channels, you pay more. So the, she's saying she feels that net neutrality is that ISPs will be able to charge you more dollars to access certain websites and they'll package them and bundle them together. Mm-hmm. But I thought Facebook was always going to be free forever. Right. But Facebook will be, but the ability to get to get Facebook, to Facebook yeah. won't be. Right. So then it really isn't because you can't get there from here, right. as they like to say <laughs> in Maine, right? So and, uh, is, is it similar to that? And is it going to come down to that? I mean, they, that's, what they, that's what they hope. And yet at the same time, they know that that's a fear a lot of people have. And right. they've gone on record saying like that's they're going to – basically elicit promises from the ISPs that they're not going to be able to do Yeah, I like that part. I like that part too. And then I have another friend who's an IT specialist, John Mall, and he says that net neutrality is the concept that data is data. Your ISP, that's your internet service provider, should not throttle or otherwise control where you get your data from. They should not be concerned with what kind of data it is, and they should not throttle speeds to uh, make you consume more from one company or another. Mm-hmm. That makes perfect sure. sense to me. And they should not. They should be neutral on the subject of network traffic. Explain that part of the concept, network so, traffic. So network traffic, obviously, is how, how much data you're being delivered. And so like a text document or like an email would take up less bandwidth in the traffic stream, I guess you could say, okay. than like a video or an All MP3. Right. So then if you're a family and you're using internet at home, let's say, and you're all on the same 
service, mm, right? Uh, yeah, same I, connection. Okay, yeah. so then wouldn't that mean that it would look like I'm using more because there's more people I think using take, the service? So ha- I'm getting, I guess you see what I'm getting. I'm yeah. getting nervous about if it's just me using a little data by myself, I guess that might be okay. But if it's my whole family bundled together, couldn't they say, well, you're kind of a hog. You're using a lot of data, yeah. so we're going to charge you even more? Yeah, and I mean, I think they can. Kind of, it's kind of scary because they can kind of take into account that by how many connections to the router are made in the house and they mm. can tell a family of four versus somebody who lives alone. Oh, that stuff scares me. But I, I mean, It really does, that they know everything. Yeah. It really makes me and, and it's not like it's being broadcast because it would just be a log that they could see. It's not like they know real time because right. you're then, all coming through the same. And connection. then some of the nice hacktivists from the yeah. dark web can <laughs> hack in and see all that stuff. And then John is also saying for those of us living in big, big cities like Boston, net neutrality may not affect our day to day. There's enough competition to prevent ISPs from being that unscrupulous, although they may try. In smaller towns and rural areas where there is no competition, Mm. though, um, ISPs behave in this anti-consumer manner before and they will continue to do so. So that's a good point. We're lucky here in Wilmington, Mm -hmm. this area where you know, we have the fiber optic, optic cable mm-hmm. and all that great stuff. But what if you do live out mm-hmm. in the wilderness? You should still be able to have the same mm-hmm. access. So if there is only one yeah. ISP in yeah. your town, then what do you do? Yeah, you have no choice. You, but you to, have yeah. to. It's yeah, monopoly. And I kind of don't like that. So th- this brings us an interesting point here is that like the one thing that I agree that they claim this repeal will help is the infrastructure. And so right now, the, oh. the infrastructure, like the, ser- the, the servers, the physical lines in the ground um, are old and like the ISPs aren't getting enough money to keep up the hardware and they think oh. that this tiering the added money that they would get would go to uh, upgrading the infrastructure or in the first case laying the broadband lines because we I, I do run into that in the libraries people like don't have uh, internet connection because Verizon or somebody hasn't physically laid the lines to their house in order to make use of a broadband And you as the consumer can't make them? Right. You can request it and then it has to go through the town because that's land and there has to be, you know, concerns. And yet that's another point too. There's only a finite amount of connections that can be made currently until someone figures out a better way. Yeah, I mean, the fiber optics gone a long way. I think that... Um, if that becomes prevalent, then and it kind of is. I know that mm-hmm. the town has it most, most, mostly throughout the town, but I think there are some areas that uh, swamp land that you so can't. So, <laughs> how does Mr. Pay uh, say that we're going to govern against these companies doing some unscrupulous things? How does he say that's going to be monitored? What is his answer? For so that? his answer is the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission. So they they already uh, so this says here the FTC has broad authority to. Put Police unfair, deceptive, and anti-competitive practices, so they can they can do that. So I like this guy's making this decision to basically give another department of the government yes. more work. I'm shaking my head. Go. Well, they now are working in tandem, <laughs> right. which shouldn't they have always been? This right. is, they acting like this is a new thing. But okay, so I guess transparency is going to be our guiding light for making sure these things don't happen. But are you kidding that's me? That's reactive, right? So like by the time well, they do it, it's... You know, and this is what my friend John says also. He says, now we wait and see. People mm-hmm. made a lot of predictions about what would happen, but it was honestly a guessing game.
game, you know. Yeah. Uh, will ISPs like Comcast continue to do things like throttle new high bandwidth technologies? Will mobile providers start charging for novel uses of their platform? Will they block certain kinds of use, claiming it would bring down their network? We'll see. Uh, his personal prediction is that we won't see widespread abuse, but we'll continue to find insidious small abuses that investigative journalism will uncover. Sure. Yeah, and like you said, though, by then the cat's already out yeah. of the people bank. Have, people have, people have been hurt or yeah. things have happened. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, you know, Senator Markey, our senator, is uh, definitely on the bandwagon for trying to reinstate net neutrality. Uh, You know, of course, with these types of things, they may end up making some package deal where we kind of compromise and we'll give you a little bit. And, you know, but I don't know. It sounds like the FCC, I don't know if they're, I don't know much about politics. I don't know if they're governed differently or what, how they are monitored or what. So I don't know if anything can be done, but we'll wait and see. But at least now you guys know what it is and, and what's going on. And as for what's to happen next... I don't know. We'll what should we watch for? What do we look for? I mean, uh, I don't even know if my internet is slow or fast. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even really gauge that. So I don't know, even know what to look for to know if something's happening. I would say just costs. You know, the monthly subscriptions, they go out of whack. Or yeah. if you have, if these new bundled packages happen where you... Yeah. you you get more access to different sites or... Because there certainly isn't going to be on your Verizon built net neutrality no. <laughs> fee. It's not going to well. be on there, right? So you're going to have to do a little more policing yeah. until somebody comes along like a Snowden yeah. and releases yeah. all that information, which dovetails into yeah, our next nice exciting <laughs> topic. Yes, so the dark web. Now, before we talk about the dark web, which... It scares me to even yeah. talk about it because I know the minute you mention it, you know, it's like you go on a watch list, right? <laughs> but um, let's talk to people first about the parts of the internet, which I never actually considered. When I think of the internet, I think everything can be seen, everything can be traced. Even if you try to hide it, they're going to find you. So I never thought about the concept of the dark web mm-hmm. until you and I kind of started talking about it. So let's yeah. give folks a big picture of what the internet really looks like when you cut it all up. Yeah, so I found a pretty good uh, image of of an iceberg, right? So you have the the tip of the iceberg is the old cliche, and that's what they call the surface web. And so that is is 10% of the internet. I can't believe that. I know. So that's what Google, that's what you get when you search Google. Uh, it's all of the sites that uh, you don't need a subscription. But how can that only be 10%? It's yeah. th- when you think of it like that, yeah. that makes you realize how big it's the web enough. really is. Yeah. If Google and Yahoo and Bing and CNN and all of those are only 10%? Mm, yeah. It's amazing. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. And what's that rule where the exponential doubling? Is oh, it Mur- Moore's Law. Moore's Law. Yeah, so, so, yeah. so it's even getting bigger even yeah. as we speak. Of course, yeah. But it's only a 10%. The right. good stuff or yeah. the, the stuff that's safe, we'll say. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then what's next underneath the surface web? So the the rest of the iceberg underneath the, the water is called the deep web. And that you actually use a lot if you use the library services. So what the, okay. uh, what the deep web is, is any kind of information on the internet that you have to pay for access. So if you've oh. used the library's consumer reports subscription, you've been on the deep web. Your okay. bank... Your banking information, your even even your email, even your emails are on the deep web. So anything that you need mm. to log into um, is part of the deep web. So that means it's exempt from any kind of search engines pulling data from that. Okay, if it's a subscription that I don't pay for, but I still have to subscribe, even though there's no fee, is that in the deep? 
Web it's a good also? question. Um, is it just about the money part? No, I don't think so because I think that it is. Bas- it, it would be anything you have to log into, so you don't pay for your email, and that's considered okay. on the deep web. So yeah, anything that um, that you have to have a subscription or sign up for is no, okay. isn't on there. So we know the surface web is relatively. I'm yeah. using air quotes safe. Yes, if we use it the way yeah. we've been taught by Brad, yeah. it's safe. <laughs> deep web. Yeah, it's safe because uh, peop- there's money involved, right? There's money involved. So if you have a hack, you're, the company that is, was hacked is going to have a reputation blow. And, and that's Okay, so, so this involves firewalls and consumer mm-hmm. protections that come from yeah. the other end mm-hmm. to protect us from right. hacktivists, as yes. they like to call themselves. Yes, and for whatever reason, they do whatever they do. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's not even, you know, to get back at the company. Sometimes it's just to prove that... We should be more careful. So there's you know, two, they, they have two, a little altruism yeah. sometimes. Well, right, because the, the uh, hackers come in, in, in two classes, the black, black hat and white hat. Right. And so you have the white hat people who break things to show people this is how I got in, fix it. And then there's the, the traditionally accepted view of hackers as the black hat is, ha right, I have right. money now. And one of the organizations you may have heard about is Anonymous, and mm-hmm. they wear Guy Fox masks. Mm-hmm. You actually told me the name yeah. of those. Mm-hmm. You've probably, you folks have probably seen that. They're a big part of the dark web, yeah. but we have got there yet. Yeah, so we're still we'll in the deep web, treading water, nice yes, and safe. Yes. No fishies biting us. We're no, okay. No, <laughs> All right. What's next after that? So the the, the dark web is the, wa- the dark waters underneath the iceberg. Oh. Yeah. It's scary to me. Yeah, for sure. It really is. I, I don't even want to go on there. I mean, I'm, cur- I'm a very curious person. So if I knew of a place I could go and sit with a computer and have no fingerprints and no ID, then I would do it. But yeah. I don't. I didn't even want to check it out myself yeah. to see what so it I did. is. So you did. I did. And you're still alive <laughs> yeah. and they haven't come to take you away yet. Well, I had to. Yeah, it was, it was an experience. So, so like, how do you get in there? You need a special software. So your browser won't get there. You need something called the Tor Browser, which stands for the Onion Router. And so when you you've, everybody's heard of a router, right? You have sure. a router which you hook up to your modem, which routes the traffic. Um, and so what the the technology for the dark web uses a routing architecture. That means that when you go to a website, you don't go directly there. Your traffic is routed through different what they call nodes. Okay. And so that each node only knows the prior node and the next node. So oh, there's wow. no way to tra- trace the traffic. So is this making me think of a confessional? Nah. Like there's somebody on one. Yeah. side he only sees through and then you're in the other side and then you jump out it's, so it's kind of like a secret room that yeah, you're in yeah. before you go to the next area where nobody can see you right even though i don't really believe that you can be traced there's no way i don't i, I know don't they know can the find specifics. you whoever they are yeah. the fbi or the fcc or the ftc now <laughs> or whoever wants to find you but so you basically have to download this software yeah. the tor t-o-r software yeah. Well, once you do that, yeah. So don't no- you think someone gets alerted somewhere? So you, it's funny you download the Tor browser from a Surface Web website. <laughs> oh my God! Okay. But so once you're there, once you connect, it takes a bit to connect. So you yeah. establish the connection, and yeah, your your activity is logged. And so, yeah. I technically yes, you could be traced. However, I don't know if any of that log information is stored. So if it's not kept, if like all the uh, connection information is purged after right. each session. There's nothing there to, to trace. But mm. yes, the technology is there where you could see it. I just don't know mm. the specifics. I mean, I, I, I'm thinking of ISIS now and, and oh. terrorist groups. No, and I'm yeah. thinking, you know, if you look at some of the folks who got involved with that kind of stuff, I'll bet you they have the tour. Absolutely. It's, and I'll bet you when you yeah. look in there, you can see what they've been up to. So yeah. maybe that's how we catch some of the criminals too. I don't know. So, so there was something called the the, the Silk Road. Oh, which, yes. Yeah. So that was a, a, an illegal market. 
marketplace, drugs, arms. Um, See, that's slaves. why I want to go in there, just to look wow. at it, like not to do anything bad, just yeah. from a curiosity point. But like, I can't imagine that someone would actually type into a computer, yeah. here, come buy these drugs. I, I just re- really, yeah. I am so fearful of Big Brother, I wouldn't last in tour for more than five minutes. And taken, I would be scared to yeah. death. No, they've been taken down. So they keep getting taken down. So I think the Silk Road is, is now down, but like the, the FTC, I think, to, uh, shut them down like two or three times. Um, so it, it's, yeah, it's possible. So, but there's no like, you can't like Google information on the dark web. You have to right. know the websites and the websites aren't like google.com. It's basically a long string of alphanumeric characters dot onion. And so you, you can't, you, there's no way to kind of search. So how do they get the information to one another? I yeah, get, email. you know, what is this? Th- they hang out at like Comic-Con for, <laughs> well, you know, for deep web people and they kind of pass notes. I don't know how they do it. So, but I guess if you want to know. And I, I found from doing some research about the folks who live on the dark web that it seems like a lot of these people have a ton of time on their hands. Yeah. The folks who are doing the hacking and who are living on the deep web, um, you know, they're developing code. I don't mean like programming code. I mean a way to speak to each other where they all know what the code means and they kind of yeah, develop yeah. a lot of acronyms yep. a lot of the uh, the sentences and things that they write to each other because I was reading about reporters who have tried to find out who's yeah. really running the dark web um, you know they've been able to determine that a lot of the people just from the dialect and the typing that they're British because they're using words like nappy which we wouldn't mm-hmm, use here mm-hmm. so you know I guess a lot of the anonymous that group is British and Irish but we have Americans in there too but is that part of the code I don't know. So Maybe they're doing it, it on purpose. This is so yeah. scary. I, I'm telling you, this is why I don't sleep. <laughs> so I guess if you want to go on the dark web. Would I would you, advise you not to. Yeah. So I tried just to say I did it. And right, so, so I, you could yeah. see if you could live to tell about it. When I did, and I'm here. Yeah. Um, but right. I'll tell you, it wasn't, it wasn't pleasant. So like I had downloaded yeah. the Tor browser, and there's something called the Hidden Wiki, which you can find on Wikipedia, actually, on the surface web to give you the, the, <laughs> the URL so you'll need. And that lists all of the sites. You can kind of use it as like um, a telephone book for right. it. And so I was just on that one page, just seeing what was how it looked and, and what it was and what was going on there. And my malware bites, my anti-malware software went nuts, just nuts. Like it blocked things like once a second for like two minutes before I finally logged off, shut down, ran some scans. Yeah, and thank goodness you didn't hurt anything no, by doing it. <laughs> you know, though, there are some proponents of the dark web who say that part of the reason why the dark web is needed is because some countries aren't as open about information sharing. Sure. We have Wikipedia that yeah. tells you how to get to the dark web. Yeah. That just cracks right. me up. <laughs> so in other countries, they're saying that the dark web does need to exist because of the you know the way that they won't let people the see information. And yeah, mm-hmm. the, you know the way the information is. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word censored. That's there the word. I was <laughs> the way they censor things. The dark web is more necessary for countries where you can't see anything. It's needed. It um, fills a need for sure. And there is somebody from the dark web that a lot of us know, but we probably don't realize that oh, he was yeah. there. That's yeah. Mr. Snowden, yeah, right? right? Yeah, WikiLeaks right. guy. When I was doing research for that, you know, I saw the movie, and I guess I really wasn't paying super attention to the computer angle, but that's how he transferred the information mm-hmm. that got leaked. So whether you like that or don't, that's an example of someone trying to use the dark web in his mind yeah. for altruistic sure. reasons. Yeah. I mean, you know? like you keep saying, like somebody's watching, right? And that's true. Always. And so, I mean, the dark web does give people an, an anonymous uh, yeah. access to I mean, I know Interpol has caught a lot of predatory people. Mm-hmm. From tracing their IP addresses yeah. and then finding out who bought what from who and who shared what from who. Mm-hmm. That's, 
I don't know why criminals aren't smarter. Not that I want them to be, <laughs> but I just don't know why they're, they don't realize that everything can always be seen. And I know all these criminal shows you watch, they say the criminal always screws up. They always leave some kind of yeah. something behind. Yeah. And if you as the researcher has enough time on your hands, you'll discover it. I'd like to think that's true, so, but like that's kind of a case of how we don't know what we don't know because we're not going right. to know about the people who got away with it. <laughs> I know. And I mean, I just learned about the dark web yesterday yeah. and it's been around since the web was created yep. probably, right? Sure. So, probably, probably right after. Yeah. yeah. So that's what we got for you this time. Yeah. Um, you know, talking about uh, net neutrality, certainly we will keep you uh, advised. And if you know anything, you can let us know. But we'll Please, yeah. let you know what we find out as things change. You Absolutely. know, I don't know if they're going to come up with something. And certainly the minute Brad or I get built for Facebook, we'll let you yeah, know. Yeah, right. <laughs> can't believe that might happen. I suppose it makes sense. It's mm-hmm. only inevitable like mm-hmm. everything else. And as for the dark web, you know, we can't recommend against it or say to do it. Just be careful. Just be careful like yeah. we always say. Um, you know, now I'm very curious about it. If there was a way I could maybe see a video on it, I might do that. You know, check YouTube. But I'm I sure wouldn't, there's somebody Yeah, <laughs> but I wouldn't, I don't think I would feel comfortable typing yeah. it in you know and you were even a little bit apprehensive it's, about it and scary. I know that you know all the <laughs> tricks so you know so alright let's give folks our food for thought for today and now it's time for your technology tidbit food for thought so we, we've been talking about like access information how to find things so I thought that I would uh, I would share how Amazon.com got its name oh I love this yeah so Amazon was very nearly called Cadabra as an abracadabra Founder Jeff Bezos rapidly reconceptualized the name when his lawyer misheard the word as cadaver. I know, right? Yeah, right. So instead, named the business after the river for two reasons. One, to suggest the scale, which, when it first started, was Earth's biggest bookstore. I remember that, you Mm -hmm. know. Just books. Yeah. And two, uh, back then, the website listings were often alphabetical. There was an attempt to index the web. There's still something out there now called the alphaweb.com that kind of tries to do this but as we've seen there's so much you? information my to gosh the it. minute you can you imagine doing that the minute you got the list typed someone would hand you another yeah, thing absolutely. and you i would kill i can just imagine <laughs> trying to do that or like yeah. you know if, you, if you're organizing books on a shelf you've got yeah. them all yep. set up and someone brings over well, aesop's fables yeah, right, thanks right. <laughs> you know now i gotta stick that in there very fascinating yeah, so stuff. we've got some good shows uh coming up in the future for you we're gonna um talk to some kids about um the internet and what their experience is and that should be interesting since we've had some grown-ups talk <laughs> about uh, technology and when it's done for them. And of, as always, if you want to send us any show ideas, you can reach me at lkapala, that's L-K-A-P-A-L-A at wctv.org. And Brad, how can they get a hold of you? You can always email me at bmckenna, B-M-C-K-E-N-N-A at wilmlibrary.org. Or you can go to the companion page uh, that we have for this podcast. That's at uh, wilmlibrary slash bdd for Bridging the Digital Divide. Awesome. And you're going to put how to get to the dark web on there? I'll put a fact sheet. I don't think I'll give you (laughs) directions. Good idea. All right. Thanks so much for being with us and for listening to us. And as always, we welcome your comments and feedback. So until we're together again, this has been Bridging the Digital Divide, and we'll be with you next time.